You're listening to The Prime Podcast, the young adult culture of abundant living faith setting with Cruz Ramirez and Mark McGaffin. Hey, Prime, what's going on? Hey, well, welcome back to these culture conversations. I'm super excited about today because we have one of my favorite people and one of my favorite thinkers on the combo today. Uh, his name is David Parrish. He'll introduce himself to you in a second. Hey, but we're, we're continuing to talk about Selah moments, right? And in that moment, what's, what makes that moment is that we're able to push pause, hesitate, give room, and give God a minute, make room for God. And in that, we're able to remember, right? And so we're going to be talking about remembering and what that means, what that looks like, how that benefits us, and if we're not careful, how that becomes a detriment to us. And it's all about how and who we're remembering, right? And so today, David Parrish joins us on the conversation. David, I love you, man. I love you too. You're incredible. Um, We're actually shooting in your studio, and uh, you've always been someone who, behind the scenes, supports our church at Abundant Living and supports, really, the movement of Prime Culture. Man, you're always one of those guys who is ride or die. I can show you guys a text message this morning that's like, I'm all in all the time. All right? the time. And so thank you for jumping on today, man. I'm excited to, to share this with, with, the, with the culture. Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How, how did we get here today? That's a long that's journey. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm older than most of the people that have been having this conversation, so the, the story could go longer. Uh, I mean, short, short and down and dirty. Uh, I'm a career soldier. I did 22 years wow, in the army. Thank you for your service. Um, I retired after my wife got pregnant. Basically, I dropped paperwork. I was like, my wife came in on the tail end of my career. I did my whole career with doing the single thing. Um, I'm a preacher's kid, so I grew up in church. Uh, like all of us seem to do, I wandered away for a long time, came back, um, you know, and, and explored a lot of other avenues of life out in the world, just trying to find out, you know, what's going on. Um, and uh, like I said, retired uh, a few years ago, I picked up photography, um, hence why we have a photography studio we're filming in. And, you know, I, now today, um, I'm the president of an entertainment company and uh, my dad, just winning just at doing life, life, man. Yeah. Just winning at life. And I, one of the things that I love about my conversations with you, uh, which I try to make happen on a regular basis, is you provoke thought. You really do. And you've got this incredible um, understanding of the human mind, human behavior. You've got this great, great history of working with psychology. Yeah. Um, your wife is a, is, a, is a psychologist as well, a performance psychologist, right? Um, works with soldiers and leaders, and, and you do too. Um, and what I love is that you bring the understanding and you bring clinical perspective, and you're able to marry it and couple it with biblical, scriptural faith principles, yeah. right? And um, that's really what I, where I want to lean in today, man. You know, um, what we're talking about in, in this series of content is really the act of remembering, right? Um, the word remember is, is, is mentioned over a thousand times in scripture. So it's kind of a big deal in the context of how we ought to approach our lives, how we ought to approach our faith, and how we ought to approach God. 
Um, but as humans, obviously, we've got our strengths and we've got our liabilities, right? And the ability to recall and remember can be a strength when done in the right context, or it becomes a liability when done in, in our limited human context, right? And so I think I want to start kind of like at the base level of just what's happening in us, right? Um, I, think, I think we should arm the culture with some good understanding of what memories really are. Right, and where, where, where they come from, and the truth is, maybe, just maybe, they shouldn't be driving the vehicles of our lives as much as we should let them, right? Yeah, so, I mean, memory as a, as a whole is a shortcut. Um, it's, if, if you really get down to it, you're, you're, a lot of it has to do with your, your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. You're, uh, you, you probably know it as, as fight or flight, sure. uh, or rest and digest, um, and you know, as human beings, we actually tend to remember negative events more than positive events because negative events have a evolutionary response inside of us. Like if I saw a caveman Bob get jacked up by a saber-toothed tiger, I probably want to remember that saber-toothed <laughs> tigers are bad. Don't tiger. go pet them. Don't do that again. Um, if, I, if I recall, I heard this rustling in the woods and then a bunch of warriors jumped out and jacked me, like I want to remember that so I don't run into that again. But memory in human beings is really tricky. It's designed for us to get the gist of the memory, but the actual facts and the recall can be made up over and over again. And, and oftentimes, the more often that we play out a story, and even depending on who we're telling the story to, that memory and how it plays out might be altered. Um, so if I'm telling you a story about you know, a conversation me and my wife had, I might be giving it to you in a context of as a husband, I'm gonna tell it this way because you have a different understanding of a single man giving that same conversation. We see this play out in traumatic events often in, in, in court uh, is a good example when people remember things differently and, and they'll swear by it. It, it, it happened in their mind. They've played it over and over again, but you also gotta understand that trauma does a lot of things to, to your brain, because when you're in that fight or flight moment, your brain is dumping processes in order to get you to speed up to do things. Uh, your reflexes become faster, better, but like your ability to remember things in those moments. So memory isn't always a perfect, smooth example. And, and again, the more we recall an event, both negative and positive, we can ruminate in it, get stuck in it. Um, you know, we can think of things like, again, kind of the soldier point of view, we can think of things like PTSD. That's ruminating in a negative event and replaying it yeah. over and over again yeah. and kind of getting stuck yeah. in it over and over and yeah. not letting life evolve beyond that. Yeah. And in the same way, somebody who's a, a habitual daydreamer without action, right? They're just dreaming paralyzed. and now they're paralyzed in the exact same way. Is it, is it a negative emotion? Like, no, they're happy. They're elated in that response, but that just like in the other one, they're not really taking purposeful action. They're not right. moving along that dream. Right. So, right. Um, you know, both, both contexts, it, it can get tricky and you can oh, get stuck, stuck in the web of and your brain. I, I want to I, I unpack a little bit on the, the context of ruminating. And, yeah. and we'll, you know, may, maybe you're not a psych major, right? And may, maybe you haven't spent a decade or so training the psychology of soldiers like David and his, and his wife have, right? 
Um, but ruminating is a really powerful word. But right. we, before we get into ruminating, which is a, just a constant playing over and over of your mind, right? Just kind of like you become myopic. It's, it's, like, it's right? like a record that's on, yeah, that on, has a scratch, yeah, right? Yeah, heavy well, rotation. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We'll I, call I, it heavy I, rotation. I, I'm, I'm into the old guy conversation, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like an MP3 that has a messed up track. He and said it's an MP3. Digits, I don't know, right? MP4, the, whatever. Maybe, maybe everyone was before, born before the disc man, right? right. Like, whatever you got a scratch in the disc. It right? would and just it sit just there and skip and hop and over and over and over, and over, and over right? again. Um, but, you know, I love the fact that you brought up the, 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 the point that human memory is, is at best flawed. Yeah. Right at best flawed because there's so many different influencers, right and and stimulants, right stimulus to how we recall, um, and there's this thing called confirmation bias, right where I'm gonna want to look at things through the lenses of how I'm feeling in that moment, and I'm gonna build a, a, a framework of memory to confirm what I'm feeling in that moment. So, you know? I mean, just, just to correct it, it, it uh, the confirmation bias is, is completely formed on your preconceived beliefs. So it's not your feelings, it's what you believe okay. to be true okay. about yourself, the world, or other people. There we go. Um, and you will seek out information and more importantly, dismiss information to prove, to what, prove to you're, you're what you right, believe, right? Right? Because like the human brain is built to not think that it's wrong. And it takes like and if you've never heard of the confirmation bias, like even hearing of the confirmation bias is the first step to recovery, right? You have to know that the thing exists so that you can move beyond it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, the way we all process information, the way that we flow is, is and, the, and the way that we get things, even this. the way that you, and, and like, let's get real. We can see it playing out in the world today because of the coronavirus, right? And things that people believe, things that people believe about the government, things that people believe about this disease, the news that they're consuming, they're going out and they're finding sources to confirm what they already believe yeah. to be true. Yeah. And then despite if anybody points any other evidence, they'll point the evidence and they'll be like, well, that's CNN, that doesn't count, or that's Fox News, that doesn't count because I already want this to be true. And so we seek out information to confirm that because it feels good, yeah. right? Real thought, sp spending actual time in your brain is as strenuous as physical labor is. You will <laughs> totally. feel tired, you'll totally. feel exhausted. That's why, totally. that's why at the end of a day of school, of studying a, a, a topic that you don't like, you come home and you wanna take a nap because it mentally drains you. You're drawing yeah. on and you're working out things. You're forming new neural pathways, right? A, neur a neural pathway is the connections in your brain that actually make everything function. They start very much like a trail in a field, right? The first time you walk, all you're doing is kind of matting down the weeds. Yeah. The next day, you're matting down the weeds a little bit further. If 15 people are doing the same thing and they're taking the same path, it becomes a path, right? And then that path becomes a road as more people take it. The road becomes harder. Same things happen with neural pathways. At first, they're just this little root, and then the more often they're used, they grow and grow and grow, yeah, right? But, yeah. So, you know, all of those things, like, it, it, it plays into it. You could feel exhausted by trying to think bigger. Yeah. Uh, and that's why you are, is because you're literally... Re reshaping your brain. The brain is, God created the brain. I mean, let's bring it back to God. Like God created the brain. We, we used to believe, even, even 15 years ago, we believed that the brain at about 25 was fully formed. And what we know today through neuroplasticity is the brain never stops growing. Never. Right. We can continue to create right. gray matter. Right. Gray matter is like up upgrading your hard drive. Absolutely. Like, 
it doesn't have any information yeah. in it, but the capacity has expanded. Yeah. I think I think the word the word connects connects that principle to the being able to renew your mind, that not be not transformed, but be be not conformed. Yeah. Don't get stuck. Don't fit a mold. Don't become brittle, right? To, to the ways of this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And now your brain is part of the organ that makes up your mind, right? And, and, and the Bible even taught us how. And that's what I love about the connection between spirituality and science, is the Bible talked to us over and over again about meditating, meditating in the Word. And now we know that contemplative practices, things like meditation, things like spending time in prayer, is what creates that gray matter, Absolutely. is what creates that growth. Absolutely. So God was literally... 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 15,000 years ago when everything was being written down was literally saying, here's how, how you, do, you it. do it. Here's how you so, do it, absolutely. You know, science today is proving what man has already had access to. Absolutely. And, and yeah. we're, 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 we're creating it like it's breakthroughs, but really it's just a rediscovery of what we have yeah. already known, yeah. already had as truth. I love this, man. And there's so many paths I want to go, um, but, but I, I want to stay on one point. I want to stay on the point of, of blazing the trail, right. of setting the path, creating the neuro pathway, uh, the, the, the patterns of thinking, right? I really wanted to chase a few minutes ago how we have the confirmation to want to prove ourselves true, right? right? The Old Testament says this, that the heart of the heart of man is above all things wicked, right? And that doesn't mean that, that, that your mind is, is nasty or evil, nefarious. We are naughty by nature. Right. right, because Woo. you know, yeah. you done with OPP. Yeah, yeah you, you know me, right? Like you used we, to know me. <laughs> <laughs> you used to know me. I love that, right? And and you know, it really, but really, what that word that word wicked means in the Old Testament is opinionated. Right, to be very strongly opinionated in Psalm 139, 21, where, where David says, Search my heart, search my thinking, O God, find every wicked way in me, and you lead me. Right? So um, um, I find every every opinion in me. The word wicked literally means this, and I've latched onto this definition because I try to boomerang it to myself all the time. But a wicked heart or a wicked spirit is an opinionated spirit that ultimately leads to disobedience and destruction. Right, um, but we're going to leave that conversation for another day. I really want to come back to uh, blazing the muscle memory in your brain and how you think of things, and and really coming to this point of rumination, of remembering, of 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 the the story we tell ourselves, the playlist that is on heavy rotation in our minds. Right. Um, I love the fact that you said that it is possible to continually create new patterns, new wrinkles in our brain. Right, and you do that by revisiting something over and over and over again. And I think that oftentimes we're not aware of what's happening in us mentally. I think, I think we, we live in one third, maybe two thirds of our, of our real being, right? We're, we're emotion, we're, 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 uh, we're soul, we're mind, body, and we're spirit, right? And in that, a lot of times we're in our feelings and we're in our thoughts, but we're unaware of our decision making. Right, I feel some, something, I think about how I feel, and inadvertently sometimes I behave off of what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, and unbeknownst to us, we're blazing new ways of thinking that become very efficient processes in our mind, right? Absolutely. Here, here's what I'm thinking, right? Um, I, I, uh, I haven't been driving to the office in a while, right? Uh, but last December we moved houses, right? And um, 
in, in moving houses, there was a, a pattern of behavior that my brain had just latched onto, right? So I'd leave my house on Monday morning to go to the office. I'd drive down the, 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 the way to work, right? I'd take the roads to work. I'd get to work. After a couple of months of doing that, there were a couple of moments where on a Tuesday morning, I'd leave, I'd leave my driveway, and then it felt like I'd look up, and I was at work right? And it was like, oh man, was I distracted this whole drive here? But the truth is that our mind is incredibly efficient. It always wants to conserve calories, right? It's so highly evolved. It's like, hey, listen, I'm recognizing the patterns. I'm I'm recognizing what you're doing. It's Tuesday morning. It's 9 a.m. Oh, you're going to the office. Don't worry about it. Let's go on autopilot. I know this path, right? And what it did was it just kind of subconsciously took over where I didn't have to exert and lean into my processing, right? Now, that I guess that helps when I'm going to work and I want to conserve some, ener- some energy getting to work. But where we get in trouble, I think, David, is where certain events cause us to think about certain things, right? And this is where ruminating comes into play, where ruminating will create a specific pattern if when, when I think about something over and over to the point where I train my brain or my brain becomes efficient in arriving at a thought or arriving at a specific connotation for me, right? Like, so like, let's just say, oh man, they let me down, right? Someone let me down. I, 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 I feel like someone disappointed me. And it goes from, oh man, they let me down. Why'd they let me down? Why, the, people always let me down. No one ever comes through for me. No one's ever there for me. I'm always and abandoned. And then you, then you Watch, lack right? trust. And you, exactly. And you just lower your head, lower your head. You're low, and all you see after a couple of months or a, year, or a year or however long, right, your brain just starts just thinking, thinking, thinking. And in, in certain triggers, it immediately says, oh, wait, you feel, you feel like you can't trust? I know exactly where, where to take you. You don't even have to think about this anymore. We're going to go from that person who may or may not have even disappointed you yet. Right. But it just feels like it. Your brain immediately just goes, oh, no, they're going to let you down. You can't trust I them. mean, a classic example of this is, is something that we'll hear from the main pastors in our church all the time when they talk about specifically in relationships and how you know, somebody, somebody damaged you in the past and now you're bringing that poison into your new relationship. And these things happen in, in, in sexual relationships, in personal relations, like interpersonal friendships. Uh, they happen all the time because we bring this garbage with us. Our brains aren't actively looking for shortcuts. Our brain just doesn't really have redundancy systems the same way a computer is. We like to think that our brains function like computers. Data goes in, it's logged in, and it's solid, hard data. And that's just not the facts. That's not how we operate at all. Again, we operate more in those GIST systems. Those GISTs are designed to, again, like survival modes, where we can basically say, hey, this is similar to this. This happened before. But really, accuracy of thought, right? That's what we're really driving into, is, is training ourselves to be more accurate in the way that we perceive the world. Because if we perceive the world in a more accurate state, if I can understand that, yeah, nine times, the last nine times I've encountered this with a different, with a person, an interpersonal relationship, this was the result. So now I'm coming to Cruz, I'm meeting him for the first time. Those same patterns are starting to fall into play. And I'm automatically assuming that you will bring me to that exact same place. Trust dissolves. Absolutely. The relationship dissolves. This I potentially kill. Happens, yeah, right? I, everyone's going to let happens. me down. The first thing I, wow. when I'm working with people, and, and, and my wife's the same way, the first thing that we start to do is to help people see absolutes, right? When you start saying always and never, those yeah. are absolutes. They offer very little flexibility in the way that they happen. If you're in an interpersonal relationship and you're starting to say things like, uh, you know, my husband never initiates X. 
my wife never takes out the trash. Like those are automatically should be keywords in your mind to say, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, let me slow down like and let me analyze like, this, yeah. this process a little bit more. That's so good, man. And like, there's just key questions you can ask yourself and so say, good. like, is it specific to this time? Is it specific to this person? So let's unpack that. Let's unpack that a little bit, right? And so, 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 so give, give us some, some practical things that we should think, because even in that, I hear Selah moments, yeah. right? I hear that. Pause. When you make this, this sweeping generalization, they all, this always happens to me. I can I will never do this. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, like when we hear ourselves saying that, and we all do, right? right? All of us, all of us go there. For sure, we need to push pause, yeah. right? You said it. That's a red flag that should bring an alert to you. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. You've you're, you're you've cognitively clocked out, and you're about to go down a pattern, right? Okay, we push pause. That needs to wake us up, right? How do how do we how do we rage against the machine there, right? How do we buck against that system to be able to say, wait a minute, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna superimpose what happened in that in that instance on this now. Right, like what, what are some easy, like some, some, some handles for us there? I mean, the easiest thing is one, recognizing that the pattern is there. So we all have mm. thinking traps, these traps in our thinking, these things that get us to uh, do things like always blame other people, always blame ourselves. Uh, you know, everything gets internalized in, wow. in ways that end up impacting us negatively. Wow. The slowdown is the moment, but first you have to realize like that it's happening, right? So we have to be able to say, all right, I just heard this cue that, that lets me know, like always and never for an example, like that's a, that's a surefire way to say, I'm not thinking correctly, let me slow down, pause. And, and at first it is very slow, but then it becomes again, like that habit forming thing. Yeah. And the way to get around all of those hiccups in your thinking is to literally ask yourself the opposite question. All right, the opposite side of that. So do this, do these things always, or does this person never? Yeah, and like find yeah. out like, and again, because we've already formed that belief, the confirmation bias is going to seek evidence in a way that reformulates our belief. The self-fulfilling prophecy, and, and, and that's right? why sometimes we need to bounce things off of a trusted individual. Someone great. who doesn't think typically and agree like we, we that's, do. Right, hold on, hold on, okay, hold on. I, that's something that the culture needs to really hear. Right? Something that's really been just stirring in my heart is the last couple of days is leading us into depth of community. Right? Not just where we're around each other, but we're for each other. So what you just said is when I hear these, when I hear these, these buzzwords in me, when I send, and sometimes it's not even a word, sometimes it's just a sentiment. Right? When you start feeling, when you start feeling um, insecure or you start feeling, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Suspicious. Right? You start feeling uh, lonely. Right? Some, some of the other, you can superimpose pretty much, you know, negative feelings there. Right? Being able to pause and say, hold on, this, this, this could be leading me down the wrong path. And I love what you just said right now. Inviting trusted voices. Right? Bringing accountability bringing community where I can call David Parrish and say, hey, David, this is how I'm thinking. As a matter of fact, let's just kick it real for a second. Is that okay? Yeah, right? Okay, we're going to kick it real. Beginning of the year this year, or towards the end of last year, um, one of the things that, that I've started to model in my own life um, that our senior pastor does, Pastor Charles Neiman does, is he takes inventory of his life you know, at, towards the end of the year, beginning of the year. And one of the things that I really was just started taking, taking inventory of my life was feeling like I was really 
really kind of scattered in my thinking, feeling like I was unfocused and all over the place in my thinking. Now, um, eight times out of 10, maybe seven, I'll give myself a C. Seven times out of 10, that's a real gift for me, right? Three times out of 10, it's a real liability for me, right? Um, and I really wanted to bring focus. I started feeling really bad about myself. You know, my, my wife would get, get attest to that, that I really started beating myself up. Like, Cruz, you're so undisciplined. Cruz, you're, you're like, how are you almost 40 and still dealing with focus and paying attention? And I could hear, I did real talk, I could hear the conversations at, at parent-teacher meetings where, hey, Cruz is a great student, but he's so distracted. Cruz is so, like, he finishes his work before everyone else, but he starts distracting everybody. If we could just get him to focus, right? And I started hearing that playing over over and over in my mind, and one of the things that I just felt, I wish I could tell you I was smart enough that to, to do this, but I just felt of God to just, just say, look, you need to invite another voice into this to give you perspective, right? And I reached out to you, and I just said, hey, David, listen, I don't know if you can help me or not, but I just felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit to call you and say, hey, here's a goal of mine. I really want to rein in my focus, right? And you brought simple perspective that freed me right? And it was that, it was, it really, it wasn't that deep, right? It was, it was a text message, you know, that literally has changed the course of, of my of thinking. <laughs> With a lot of homework. Absolutely. But that's the point, right? Like if, like, like to quote Pastor Jared, nothing changes if nothing changes, yeah, right. right? And so I pushed pause and I said, okay, I'm not going to feel negative. I'm going to stop beating myself up and I'm going to stop playing, I'm going to stop playing this pity party, right? That essentially was rationalizing and justifying no changing, right? Which is what it was doing. And I just said, well, I'm going, I'm going to change. I'm going, I'm going to do something different. I'm not just going to try to figure this out by myself, right? Um, I'm not just going to read the book of truth that I wrote. You know what I'm saying? Like, instead, I'm going to invite another perspective. One, well, and, 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 and tr I mean, let's be fair. A lot of times that truth that you wrote isn't your truth, right? Mm. We have all sorts of influences. Our parents put all sorts of garbage in our brains. Like, I mean, even in, with the best <laughs> intentions, so they put a lot of garbage. <laughs> our teachers put a lot of garbage in our brains. Yeah. Our friends put a lot of garbage yeah. in our brain. Media puts a lot of garbage yeah. in our brain. I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I love some old school uh, hip hop, you know, like obviously I've been kind of jumping all around on some lyrics and stuff since we've just been in here. Um, but let's face it, a lot of that stuff is straight garbage, you know, yeah, it's like, and, and, <laughs> You put stuff in garbage and it eventually comes out, out right? Yeah. Same thing as food. You, you, Absolutely. The yeah. best push-up you could do over the day is the one that pushes you away from the table sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like you put garbage in, you're yeah, going to get man. garbage yeah, out. I love that. Um, I love but that. I also think that as, as, I mean, one of my favorite things to think about is, is the whole, uh, you know, talking about ironing, sharpening iron. Yeah. And we like to think of, of becoming a sharp tool as like this gentle stone that's going against it's the blade, friction. right? It's violent. It's like, we, notice that we weren't talking about a nice honing stone, a stone no. against iron. We're talking about iron smacking, iron and beating iron and yeah. molding it into shape. Yeah. And that's violent and it hurts yeah. and it is exhausting it's work. It's yeah. uncomfortable. And even to use your scenario, like, I mean, the advice I gave you was to slow down and reflect. I think something that we have lost often in Christians and the entire reason we're having this entire message and conversation as a whole is Jesus' example is always to go into isolation and spend time with his father yeah. just one-on-one. -on -one. He could have the hardest, most brutal day of work that he had, and he often did, and then at the end, he's like, hey, homies, I got to go chill by myself. So you're saying Jesus pushed pause. Jesus pushed pause more often, <laughs> and if you read his actual stories, you will see him withdraw multiple times. Yeah. 
I mean, the best example, the second that Jesus was announced to the world as the son of God at his baptism, what is the very first thing he did? He goes into the desert. He withdrew. And that word, if we really get into the word, it says wilderness and it says desert, but that is also the word for isolation. Isolation. He pulled away from everybody else in order to get his battery charged. And it wasn't until his battery was fully charged that he took on the biggest fight that he was going to yeah. go take on. No, that's right? so good, man. I mean, and, and so we were talking about the other day. Uh, you know, the very first thing that man, after man was created, what was the very next process? Rest. rest. Do you think that we all had to go into rest? I mean, we were just born, full of energy, haven't expended anything yet. And the first thing we had to do was rest. Why? Because God needed to charge us up Absolutely. so that we could get ready to go do what we needed Absolutely. to go do. All right? And just spend time in his presence and, and just chill yeah right the sabbath yeah. the sa- the, the bible calls us to, to have a sabbath if you look at, at jews like orthodox jews still to this day that means no electronics no anything it's just family and worship and yeah. and things that refill your soul yeah. right and 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 i think that that's the example that we've lost no, it's I just that, that ability to slow down and so you know if you're just taking 20 minutes a day right we you know like pastors talk about 20 minutes a day just getting into the word what about just also another just 20 minutes day somewhere. to just stop yeah. all right god is good like we can negate god's presence as as was being said earlier with all the electronics all the noise all the content all the content that's bringing us nothing but discontent, discontent. right because there's nothing that's there that's connecting us it's just we're trying to find something that's missing yeah. the very thing that's missing is that peace the peace isn't coming because we haven't slowed down enough for it to catch up, yeah. right? It's like the old bumper sticker, like, you know, like you're speeding so fast that your guardian angels are left in the dust or whatever it said. You know what I'm saying? Like, like my grandma used to tell me that stuff all the time when I was on my bike. Yeah, like, mm. Back in the day. Yeah. So, and, it, and it's kind of like that, you know, sometimes you just need to stop long enough to let everything catch up and yeah. slow down. Yeah. And in those moments of peace, you will start making the yeah. connections. That's when you start finding that fulfillment yeah. for your day yeah. uh, and just being with your creator yeah. so that he can give you the ideas that you need to move his kingdom forward, yeah. right? No, I agree. Because we're all, we're, I mean, we all want to be innovators, right? We want to be the people that are taking the next step, taking the thing further. Uh, as I don't care if you're a creative, I don't care if you're an artist, it, it, I, don't, I don't care what your profession is. It's all about moving things forward and not staying stagnant, learning more, doing more, building more uh, so that we can bring all of the things together. But if, if we don't give ourselves a moment to have the idea, how can we have that? Yeah, no, I think, I, I think it's so important for us to really value that margin of pausing, right? Giving enough room in this case, right? Because we, we were talking about how how the human tendency is to create certain scenarios. And the truth is we lean towards chaos, right? We lean towards entropy. We lean towards, we lean towards death, right? And it takes work to lean towards life and to, leads, to lean towards godliness, right? And as, as, as we land the plane on our conversation, man, um, let's, t- let's talk a little bit about how giving room for a shift of perspective, right? The way I'm hearing it in my mind right now, David, is if rumination is, is just looking down, right? Because there's so much context in the scripture about looking up. Look up for your salvation draws nigh. David said it this way in Psalm 121, I look up and I, I lift my eyes to the hills, from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who created heaven and earth, right? Psalm 3, for you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head, right? And so I think that if we give ourselves this space 
to, to just pause, push pause on the negative patterns, the negativity, the voices that are just consistently attacking, um, the processes that are driving you and driving all of us into places that lead us far from God, far from his voice, far from his design, and just are able to push pause long enough to look up right? How much can change in that moment, right? That change of perspective immediately. Um, we didn't have necessarily have time to unpack it. We're going to have to come back and do like a, a part B to this, right? But where there's a portion of scripture where the prophet Jeremiah, Lamentations 3, he's actually ruminating. If you read all of Lamentations 3 up to verse 18, he literally says this, the mere thought the mere thought of my suffering has left me without words. Just the thought of my suffering. But in the very next verse, he says this, but I dare to hope when I remember, right? I dare to hope when I remember. And, you know, I, I like to think of it this way, you know, may maybe just maybe, maybe just maybe it's not that I'm broken. Maybe just maybe it's not that I'm damaged, that I'm hopeless. Maybe just maybe it's that I've forgotten. Right, that's what Psalm 103 says. I shared that with you last night. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. There's the Selah moment, right? David is commanding his soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Come here, right? Emotions, thinking, decision-making. Come here. We're going to bless the Lord. We're going to talk about God's goodness. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And he says this, and forget not his benefits, right? And I, I wonder how many of us have bought into, I'm, I'm no good, I'm hopeless, I'm forgotten, I'm destitute, I'm abandoned, right? But the truth is, I just forgot to look up. I forgot, I forgot to look up, right? And, 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 and take us home on that thought, David, on how we change perspective and how we look up and just change the posture of our mind. I think, I think the biggest thing I could always say is that actions are not identity, mm. right? I fell at an action. I don't become a failure. That's right. Great. Like that's I, great. I can look at a failure and I can learn from it, right? And then it's a growth and that's all it is. It's never an identity because I cannot be permanently a failure. Again, that goes into the always and never. That would put me in a state of which I am every single thing I ever do is a failure, right? Wow. It's a specific action and I can work around that specific action. But what I need to concentrate on is that as a specific action so that I can learn and grow from that's it. Great. And so I think that that's the biggest thing is just consider things for what they are. Are they a one-time thing? Or is it a one-time interaction? Is wow. or is, and, if that, and if it's a person who continues, their actions continue to disappoint, then you reevaluate re that relationship for its worth. And it's and it's, sometimes it's okay to walk away from things wow. that don't feed your soul wow. and don't give you peace. Say that right? again. And, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's to okay walk to walk away from away. things that do not give Man. you peace, right? I mean, the only thing wow. we can't walk away from is God. So, because wow. we'll find peace there. Wow. And so, you know, I think that when man disappoints, we, we shift focus. Uh, when you keep finding those specific actions, then look at the actions, evaluate the actions. If it's not working for you, make changes and, and you'll find growth and peace there. That's phenomenal, man. Thank you for being with us, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. Oh my gosh. Hey, listen, you guys, I hope, I hope you really take time to digest this, to listen to it and let it speak to you, right? I, I want this, I want this conversation with David to really, really challenge your thinking, right? Um, classic uh, cognitive behavior therapy says, if I can get you to think about what you're thinking about, we can change your life, right? And I want you to think about what you've been thinking about. And Jesus promises this, that even when our heart condemns us, when the things we've been thinking about us 
ourselves, our situations, our lives, even when that condemns us, Jesus says this, I'm greater than your heart. And so there is a greater one than the memories that haunt you. There is a greater one than the memories of hurt, the memories of disappointment, disillusionment. There is a greater one. And it's simply a matter of picking our heads up for long enough, push pause, change your perspective, look up long enough to see that there is absolutely more. That is what Selah should bring to your life, a moment of remembering that everything that has happened, everything that has led to this moment is not all there is, but that there is a future and a hope, that there is a plan and an intended outcome. So today, as you walk away from this content, as you just turn off your phone, I want you to have that Selah moment. I want you to push pause and I want you to remember, I can change my focus. I can change what I'm thinking about. I can fill my heart with truth. I can fill my heart with the voice of God. And the scripture says this in Psalm, Proverbs 23, seven, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes. Let the Selah moment change who you're becoming right now. We love you, we believe in you. Until next time.